In this episode of Adaptation, episode number three, Brennan and I get started by talking about how we've been pimping up our broadcasting facility and our gym, both of which are looking amazing. We then speak about Bryn's surprise audition into the X Factor and also my announcement into the office that I'll be resigning um, my gig of six years in pursuit of adaptation full-time. We then get into the core of our discussion, which is centered around the big rocks and training mistakes that we've made over the years in the gym and how the penny dropped on four or so key principles that really have changed the game in terms of enjoyment and progress we've made towards our body and strength goals. Listen, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode and go follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook at AdaptNation, as well as visit our website at adaptnation.io, where you'll find all the latest in terms of articles, microblogs, and journals. So, Bryn, episode number two was last week. Exactly one week on, we're doing number three. Yeah. Super excited about that. Uh, things have changed though, right? We've been pretty busy. Why don't you just uh, say what you see for the audience? Well, I can see a few mics now, which is good. So we're not talking into the laptop this week. Um, so I think this is looking pretty mint, this setup, I have to say. It almost feels like I should be singing a song though. <laughs> we need to get some videos up and some uh, some images of this place. It's looking pretty hot. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the so the vinyls you put on the wall, um, the, the whole gym is just looking absolutely spot on. Um, and I'm liking the colours um, with our logo against the the black in the gym and stuff. I think it's starting to look really smart. So, and you 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 said um, <laughs> I just got a key of what you just said. You you said it was so good that you feel like you want to sing. You fancy singing now, friends? <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the spot. No, but but, but you but you you auditioned right? You auditioned. Yeah, yeah. Was it for X Factor? Yeah, I I can't remember when it was. It was it was a good few years ago, but I kind of I I knew I. I I'll go on it, but I didn't think I was going to win. I, I just wanted to go on for the experience because I knew it pushed me and it was totally out of my comfort zone. But I made two of my friends stand in line for a good probably four hours. Um, and then you obviously, once you get through, you, you're kind of put into this tiny little, um, I don't really know what they are. They're just like sectioned off booths but they're open so you can hear everyone else singing and you've got cool. two judges sitting there looking at you and they're about literally like two foot in front of you just sitting there looking at you really and they're like right okay and there you go just it's like you and me sitting here and just singing into each other's faces basically brilliant yeah so it is 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 an experience but it was a learning experience which i didn't learn from from the first time because i went again the second time (laughs) you went twice did you yeah in the the same year or a different year uh, literally i think it was like two weeks later so, so went, same, same year yeah okay. I, I, I went with two of my friends um, and I don't think they wanted to stand in the queue again the second time so um, my <laughs> sister came with me the second time and that was yeah again I just I just like the, the whole experience was quite exciting but it wasn't like it wasn't challenge. Simon Cow and no no it's literally you you go you're in you're like backstage and then there's just two judges per i don't really know what it is but it's like a booth and then they just say tell us a little bit about you um what's your story what are you going to sing off you go and then you just sing your song and was Um, you nervous i was but i think the second time i fell asleep when (laughs) i was sitting on because you're in front of it no no (laughs) Because you, you queue up for a few hours, so I think I was quite tired because it was in Birmingham, I think, so it was an early start. And then once you get to the end of the queue and you actually get in the building, you sit down 
and then you wait to be called. And I think we were sitting there for about an hour or something, and I just ended up falling asleep. So it, I, was, I was obviously so he wasn't there pretty calm. No, but I was, I was still nervous. I mean, as soon as I stood in front of them, I I think I fluffed my lines and whatnot. But hey, it's all so you didn't you didn't get through. So is no, that the, no. the, the, the essence of the story? Or? Yeah, well, I think the nerves got the better of me um, okay. because you just can't, you know, you don't sound... Did they tell you them then that you're, you're yeah. no good? Yeah, literally. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, they say yes or no. And they, they, I don't think they actually... This was a few years ago, but I don't think they actually say yes or no. I think they give you a bit of paper and then I don't think it says yes or no on there either. I think if it's a yellow piece, it's a no. If it's a white piece, it's... I can't really remember, but oh, right. something like that, so... But you knew walking out of that room that it wasn't going to go any further. Yeah, and I wasn't bothered. I wasn't that bothered because I, I wasn't going to win. It was the experience. Um, Put yourself in a difficult situation. Yeah, and I, I don't know why I went back. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just, I think because I, I sort of fluffed my lines a little on the first one, so I thought I'll go back the second time, give it another go, see where it goes. You know, it's sadistic, man. Yeah, <laughs> it, my dad was um, an opera singer, so I've growing up watching him singing and things like this. So it kind of inspired me, I think. Um, he also plays, plays guitar. My brother's in a band. He plays the drums, bass guitar. Um, I also play the acoustic. So, cool. So yeah. listen, we've got set up. We just need to start bringing in the instruments <laughs> now. We're good to go. You the back don't, don't rely on me to sing. <laughs> Please, you can ask the missus. Uh, she fine. will ask you to not ask me to sing. <laughs> I promise you. Okay, cool, man. Well, um... <laughs> You, you, we were just talking off mic and you were talking to me about how busy the last couple of weeks have been yeah. outside of what we're doing, right? Mm. You're still holding down a, a full-time job yeah. um, in in your clinic doing yeah. rehab work and kind of uh, fitness and training work for your clients. It's a busy time. I guess it's a busy time, right? It's uh, the yeah. New Year's rush. Tell, tell me, tell the audience a little bit around what that experience is like for you and are there any kind of common themes you're seeing around people's motivations or attitudes at the beginning? Yeah, I think well, it starts off like this. So you've got the first week back. You always think that's, well, when I first started, I thought that was going to be the big rush. But actually, it takes them a few weeks to kind of get going. And mm. I'm talking about people with New Year's resolution. So I think the first week you're kind of getting over your hangover from New Year's, uh, from eating all the cheese over Christmas. The second week, you're like, right, I better start doing this now. So then you start to get inquiries in the second week. And then the third week, you actually start doing, you know, all the consultations and things like that. And then obviously the fourth week is when you start actually getting people into their training and whatnot. But I think the third week, it tends to be around about the third week um, that I'm doing a lot more consultations. And I think that's the most important time because that's when I've got to get these people that want uh, their New Year's resolution because the statistics are crazy at how many people will actually give up the New Year's resolution. So I try and get them there and then and try and change their mindset to sort of long-term thinking, um, let them know they need to be patient with their training and just commit, like I say, long-term. So I think that's one of the most important things. And you've done this a few times. You've gone yeah. through this, this thing a few yeah. times now, the annual kind of cycle. Definitely. Do you find whilst there's a big peak, there's also a quick drop? Um, you know, go February, March, or, or is it a small decline where people slowly start dropping out? Yeah, you get a small decline because you get some people, obviously you get a bit of a rush, and then that rush can kind of last all the way through February. But then come March and, you know, there on, you do start to see a bit of a fall off, but you only get it with one or two clients. It depends how much um, work you put into to those clients trying to 
get them to think about long-term results. But yeah, you, you naturally do see a bit of a decline. So it's just getting people to you know stick to it as much as you can. Um, and then some clients you end up, you know, get, keeping them for the whole year, you know, and, and inspiring them. So That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. Well, listen, uh, still find that discretionary time to do the adaptation stuff. It's pretty exactly. important. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and I just wanted to give you give you a bit of an update. We're talking about our our moonlighting, right? We're we're doing our day jobs, and we're also doing this podcast and the content on the website and everything else that comes with uh, adaptation. I've had to do some pretty significant this week, which was handed my notice. Right, that was pretty pretty big, right? Yeah. You know, um, I want to be able to talk to uh, the people that listen that you've really got to follow your passion, right? It's there's a book called The One Thing, um, and this guy talks about, you know, you've got to devote your time and energy towards one thing, one thing that gets you up in the morning, gets you really juiced. And um, he and others I've spoken to, including Lewis Howes, they've, they've spoken about quitting their day jobs, quitting their corporate um, gig yeah. in pursuit of something entrepreneurial. And last, or this week, was me doing exactly that. Yeah. And it was, it was a big move, man. I've been at this company for six years, you know, lots of friends, family, really, you know, successful at my job, enjoy, enjoying the place, uh, but just the feeling mm. increasingly that this thing that we're doing now is calling me and we have to devote our attention to this. Yeah. So it was, it was a big move, but I, I, I must admit, and this hopefully is testament to the fact that we've onto something, everyone was incredibly congratu- con- congratulatory um, there was really positive feedback around both the idea, the space, the approach that we're taking around being a content hub for all things health, strength and mindset. And um, yeah, it I just buoyed me that I think, you know, I think there's an audience and there's a need to have this honest debate around the things we're going to talk about for this year and yeah. next. But yeah, very emotional. How, how was it? So did you... Were you nervous leading up to it at all? Are you? I mean, I mean, you, you're pretty set and you know where you're going, but it's quite a big move. So I was, I probably had a little bit of nerves, kind of uh, pre-warned a couple of people ahead of doing a full-blown announcement. Yeah. Um, and I was comfortable comfortable with doing those, but just wanted to make sure I got the message out right. So they yeah. understood my intent wasn't to run away from what I've got, yeah. but instead run towards something that is, you know, driving me. Um, so that was okay, um, but I must admit when I got in front of you know, 50, 60 of people in the off- London office, it wasn't that much nerve because I knew cold what it was that we're doing here, right? I didn't have to try and yeah. think about it and what it is and what we're trying to do and the why behind it. It just came out and I think the energy and passion came out. So yeah, it was, but it, but it was emotional, not nervous, but emotional, Yeah. right? This is saying goodbye to your family pretty much and saying goodbye to comfort yeah security knowing you can do things re- relatively easy you've built up that muscle memory and now just going yeah well, i'll see you later i won't i won't have a salary anymore mm. <laughs> my money is going to be defined by what we do here and how we can monetize it through time and there's that's where the nerves kick in yeah yeah so you said about 60 people did you just get them up in the office did you get everyone to stand up yeah there was- you just kind of you know, speak out loud or did you get yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
No tears, no. Definitely no tears <laughs> from anyone. Probably a sorry relief because I'm, I'm bloody hard to work with at times. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was good, man. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just thought it, I'd let, let you know that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big commitment and you've done it. So I have to say well done. I mean, it's a brave move. So you're obviously uh, this, this serious is, this about this. This is going to work. Yes. And it is going to work. You've right? got no choice now. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So I think... Um, I think we should get get going with what we want yeah. to talk about today, actually, Sorry. right? Yeah. So what um, we decided we should start our podcast series off with, obviously last week we were talking a bit about us as personalities and our kind of history, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Why, why don't we get a little bit more specific now, focus on, you know, our domain, which is fitness and wellness. And uh, one of the areas we felt would be a good place to start is um, whilst we're going to be very uh, forward-thinking and progressive and pragmatic around our coaching advice and um, guidance, it's probably best to start with some kind of lessons learned, failures and experiences that you and I have endured over the years in working out and Mm -hmm. working with others. Um, So if you're cool with that, why why don't we get started and, and... literally start picking up those those big rocks, those big game changers where this wasn't just an academic appreciation that maybe you should change your protocol. Mm-hmm. It was more around, I did, the, I did this and everything changed. Yeah. changed. So have you got any? Yeah, I, I would probably say progressive overload. Definitely that was... I think I, I knew I had to do it, but I think you said to me once, you know, it's not it's not you when you understand it, it's when you really understand it or when you apply it and you have this turning point and you go, why was I not doing that the whole time? And I think that progressive overload, I knew I needed to be doing progressive overload, but I don't think I was putting enough attention into it. And I think I just got in a rut and I was doing the same old thing and... At the end of the day, if you don't put that stress in your body, it's not going to adapt, is it? It's just not going to change. Nothing's going to happen. Why don't, why don't we just pause for a second? Mm-hmm. Progressive overload makes perfect sense to me. It might not to uh, others who are yeah. listening. So define progressive overload in your terms. Uh, progressive overload, to me personally, well, there's obviously a, a better term, but I would just say it's placing stress incrementally on your body. So over time... As you apply more and more stress, your body will have to adapt and therefore get fitter and get stronger. Um, you obviously put on more muscle, and you know your body just when you put the stress on, it will just adapt and change. And over time, um, incrementally, almost tricking your body because you're you're doing this. You're almost layering it on. Would you say so? Week on week, you just obviously. Um, you might add an extra rep, you might add an extra 1.25 kilogram on each side of the bar, you might add a pause rep, you might, you just got to... Well, well, before, before we get into, into the detail, why don't, we, why don't we just call out our, our failures, which I think are quite common, mm-hmm. right? So um, up until recently, I've, I've followed no real plan, right? So I'd go into the gym, and I'd, I'd, I'd write up a plan, whether mm-hmm. it be... A coach at a time wrote something up, or I researched arm day, leg day, right? Got, yeah. Just chucked a bunch of exercises in there. And I would show up. I'd show up every day or you know, same time, same time every week for that specific part of the program. And I would go through the reps and sets that are defined on a piece of paper. Usually, I wouldn't yeah. ad lib it, I'd usually follow a plan. Yeah. 
But if I'm honest, I never really had a focus on trying to make progress from week to week. And progress is either more reps, but usually more weight. Yeah. So it's more weight without the breakdown of form, controlling that contraction and feeling feeling the intent behind that exercise and not feeling like ancillary muscles are kicking yeah. into support over a weakness, but you're feeling the mus- muscles and the tightness and the strength in the right places. Mm. And wherever, wherever at all possible, you're trying to make gains on you know the amount of plates or weight you can put on the bar. And whilst ego and the general concept of hey if I'm stronger I'm going to be bigger mm. that would that kind of dissipated when I got into my groove I'd go into my groove and I'd go okay three sets of eight at, okay I've done 80 kilograms of whatever last time I'll do the same again and not even challenge myself to say can I do a little bit more and even if you did a little bit more one week if you then go back to something lighter the following week that's not progress. Hmm. Do, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? So is that, is that, so is that something you were doing, but you kind of yo-yoing behind, you know, with your weights and, I mean, obviously you had your plans, you knew how many reps you were going to do and how many sets you were going to do, but would you just follow that plan? Because when I first met you, you just, you were pretty much doing the same thing over and over, weren't you? It was the same plan that you were stuck to. It was exactly the same thing every single week. And, and that probably lasted... I don't know, maybe six months with some little tweaks here and there. I was using a little kind of iPhone app and adjusting it if I felt bored. Mm-hmm. But boredom was the driver for change. Yeah. Not, you know, systematically changing the program to support further adaptation of my body. So, yeah, I was just mindlessly doing the same thing. And quite often I wouldn't even measure the weight cells lifted. So yeah. then I'm trying to remember. Yeah the weights I lifted last time. Yeah. Right? What was the size of that dumbbell picked up? I've been how many there, plates yeah. did yeah. I have? <laughs> have what, how, how, many, how many plates on the pulley system? And and trying to, trying to remember is one thing mm. and trying to remember to incrementally increase. And then when you do increase, making sure you do it with good form. I mean, you piece yeah. that all together. For me, I think you're right. Progressive overload, I mean, is absolutely tried and tested. If you want to get stronger, which in turn will make your muscles bigger because they will have to adapt yeah you have to place more stress on the body through time yeah and it has to be if if it's all possible linear you know mm. each week you're going up but at some point and this is i think a really important point yeah you'll get to a point where even putting another two kilograms on a bar is going to change your form from good enough because you're at maximum yeah to shit you're getting yourself to that borderline aren't you and what do you do then what do you do if mm. you know you hit you hit that kind of end of that gravy train train of just easy newbie strength gains yeah well that that's where you have to look at your other options so rather than going up in weight you might like i said earlier you might add in let's say doing squats you might do well stick it the weight you're doing but let's now try and get you doing pause rep at the bottom um let's lower the eccentric so the lowering of the squat uh, there's, so there's obviously different things here that we can add in just to make it a little bit harder with the same weight. Um, and and is, then, that, is that going to give is that going to give a benefit? Yeah, because same think, same reps but slower or a yeah. focus on time under tension will yeah. still form still create an adaptation of the muscle. Is yeah. that what you say? I think so. You when you look at someone doing a squat, they use their um, 
almost use the bounce to put it in a simple term the bounce at the bottom of the squat to get back out so it's not like they're using their true strength in order to lift that weight mm -hmm. so when they go up they find that they get stuck at the bottom yeah. because they've, they've yeah, been there. yeah so then you go okay keep the weight the same go to the bottom pause you know it might be one to two seconds and then come back up again when they get really good at that with that weight and then you say right now add some more weight without pause at the bottom it seems to you know give a huge benefit but obviously everyone's different and it depends on what they're struggling with but you can see this um when people like when you said you put more weight on and then suddenly your form goes from good to shit and that's the thing what do i do do i you know what do i add in and what can i change do i do more reps do I do them all weight and just push through it? So I think there's a lot of confusion around there and I think that's what puts a lot of people off and it certainly put me off when I first started training. Not quite knowing what to do when I got to that point and then I'd either stick to that weight or I would just not track my weights. And I think like I said earlier, trying to remember your weights is, is all, you know, well and good, but what it's easy to remember with your big lifts. What happens when you... You know, you've done, you know, five, six, seven exercises in a workout, especially as a newbie, you might be doing loads of random things and you're going to miss things and you're not going to remember exactly what you've done. And therefore, it's going to be hard to know how to progressively overload the body over time. So, I, yeah, well, one, one of the things that, that I think makes sense to me, right? Mm. So progressive overload makes sense, but the reality is, you do a bench press, for example. Yeah. And I don't know, my, my bench is okay, but I'm, I'm in this little window of, 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 of a kind of a bar uh, weight. I can't really progress off it, or if I can, it's very, very small increments. Yeah. I can't stick five kilograms on because it just, the, the form just drops. Yeah. So when you get there and again, re re reflecting on, a, on my experience, I would, I would stay, I probably was benching the same bench mm -hmm. for about four months straight. Yeah. Because I wasn't thinking about progress. I was thinking about, well, this is still hard. It's fucking heavy. Yeah. So if it's still heavy, I must be getting pro making progress. But that shouldn't be confused with progress, right? Yeah. Because it's hard and it's perpetually hard every week you come doesn't mean you're going to change your body shape because my body shape wasn't changing. Mm. My strength wasn't changing and my muscles weren't growing bigger. So in my mind, where this starts to kind of make sense is, right, okay, so you get to a point where, I don't know, you're doing five by fives, so you're doing five sets of five, and you're, you know, you've probably got one rep left, and that's kind of the model you're working to. And you, you, you try and stick extra weight on the bar, and you can't, you can't make it. You've got three options here in my mind. If, if the goal is to continue to make progress, right, so you can either add another rep to it and then try and do five by six yeah. for that week. And yeah. see if you can get if you can get five sets of six, then you're probably ready to get five sets of five at a slightly lower weight. Sorry, slightly higher weight. The second thing for me is um it's well, that, that generally is volume, right? Volume is weight times yeah, reps, that, right? Yeah. So that number will grow up go mm -hmm. up because we're doing more reps. Yeah. And then the second thing is if you if you're really purist around your movement and your form, um, you'll realise that the bar's a lot heavier still. 
and that's fine. Mm. It's ha- you should be, even though we're talking about progressive overload, overload can be expressed yeah. through it being harder by you doing the exercise better. Exactly. And in turn, yeah. the right muscle fibers will develop, the right recruit recruitment patterns will develop, which in turn will then yeah. allow you to use your body more effectively to get either that bar of your of your chest or you know it, you know the squat the squat from yeah. the floor and sorry the bar from the floor and the deadlift, and it's training your body to be stronger and being comfortable with digressing. But then once you hit the the point of digression, you stay there, you perfect the form, and you then focus on moving up from there. Yes. But the most important thing is you are looking forward <laughs> and you're trying to bring more reps, more tension. Or more weight, yes, and you're going to try and do that every single week. Yeah, I think that's a, that's you know you hit on that point where it's not the main thing you got to think about is the the volume and the intensity, um, but also like I said there, if you work on your technique, that can also be a form of um, added stress. It can be a form of overload, can't it? Because you're obviously it's harder. Yeah, you, you see make it, it harder. You it, see it all the time. Yeah, yeah I, sometimes I have. Um, I have clients that are struggling with a certain weight, and I like to say, well, let's drop the weight and then do it this way. And there's a little bit more control when you're using the right muscles. Then they actually find that harder. Although they've got good form, they're still finding it physically harder to do. And um, I think that's obviously something you've got to take in consideration. So, so going back to you with the progressive overload, was there a turning point for you? Was it was it just over time you kind of? Started thinking about this and adding it in, or were you like actually? It was. It was really. It was really. You know, when we started working together. Yeah. One, you built my program in a way which was less about doing twenty exercises mm-hmm. in, in one session, right? <laughs> you know, you pared me down to five or six exercises. You ensured that the focus was on compound lifting, which yeah. I know you want to talk about next. Definitely. Um, and you know, it was clear that between you and I, we were talking about overload. I read read them bigger, leaner, stronger by. Mike Matthews, yeah, and great book. that was that was a really good book for me because yeah. he just nails this point. If you really want to understand progressive overload, understand the principles of getting stronger, which in turn mm-hmm. leads to hypertrophy, which is muscle development. His book is a great place to start. Definitely it really does define all the terms and makes it you know simple, stupid, and it's quite motivating. It is, yeah. I thought it was good because um, obviously at the beginning of the book as well, he runs through all the ter- uh, terminology around. Um, training and, and whatnot so it gives you a really good understanding of everything and what's what um. so one one little kind of side on this do you some people might be listening to this and going these are just two meatheads speaking to each other well one when you see our profile pics you'll know that we're not two meatheads if only I was big enough <laughs> to be a meathead <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, but secondly um, I you know, they may say, okay, one, one, these guys are just meatheads, and two, I'm okay with my body. I, you know, I want to lose a little bit of fat from mm. my frame, and I just want to look toned. Yeah. Or this might be, specifically a woman might say this, I just want to be toned, I don't want to get bigger. Yeah. God forbid, you know, I don't want to put any muscle on my frame, I just want to lose some fat and mm. get toned. Yeah. Is progressive overload still relevant Definitely. to those people? Definitely. I think um, it's, I think for anyone and everyone that trains, it's, I think, okay, well, if you're, if you're happy with going to the gym and you just enjoy how it feels, 
and you don't really want to think about it you don't want to track your weights you don't want to follow a plan you're quite happy going and getting a sweat on getting your muscles working then probably not i mean just you know crack on just go to the gym so if you enjoy the process but don't have an expectation of an outcome you're just doing it because going to the gym makes you feel good exactly then that's fine. Yeah. There's I mean, no judgment there, right? Yeah. They're, they're, fine. Go 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 do that's the thing. eight hours a week of training if that just keeps you um treading water. Yeah. If you feel good doing that, do that. That's that's, that's cool. Yeah, because it's it's quite easy to go into a gym and, and, and see people that have been training for years and years and years in the same gym that you have and you see that they've not changed one bit and they're just slogging away on the bike and the rower and the treadmill. But you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to judge them and say, look, why have you not changed? And and you know, why are they not doing progressive overload um, within their training? Because they might just enjoy that time away from the kids. They might just enjoy, you know, that might be their form of meditation. You know, they might just like to get a sweat on and get moving. So what? What about if people? And this where this is where I think um, we could all all be a little bit better when we go to the gym. Is I, I think with anything, right? Um, Without a target, mm-hmm. you're moving aimlessly. Yes, right around and so you know if you're going to the gym, you'll have some subjective goals, uh, which is yeah, I just want to look nicer in a pair of jeans, or yeah. you know, I look a little bit flabby, or you know, I could do with uh, see my abs or what have you. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't got a very specific goal, um, you don't know one. You don't know whether you've achieved it, and two, it's hard to then get counsel on what to do to go achieve what what you desire and it's taken me some time to be specific but I've now got very specific which now helps me um, objectively look at my plan Mm -hmm. assess it against achieving that goal yeah measure myself against that and then get counsel from you and others to say okay I'm here I want to get there and it may not be a seismic change but you may see two different pictures and whilst the the weight the the weight of that individual these two individuals look at is is identical the proportion of both muscle and fat and where it is in their body yeah. just looks different. So much fitter. Yeah, you can just see. And it. that might be what you want. So yeah. relate that back to women. So if, if if a woman has some just general aspirations just to just be slimmer, leaner, more toned, yeah. good bikini body, you know, maybe a bit bit of a butt, you know, like yeah. a, a muscle you know, a little bit of muscle in the butt, but they definitely don't want to put muscle on, they don't want to look like a, a bodybuilder. Well, is progressive overload that's helpful? Thing. Yes, because I think that's the thing. Like when people come in to, to talk to me and they, they say, um, okay, I want to obviously turn my legs and I want a nice bum, I want a flat stomach. The aim is still the same. It's still to, to build muscle. And, and I have to obviously, you know, educate whoever I'm talking to if they're feeling like if I lift weights, especially if I get strong, I'm going to get big. But the thing is, I think you've got, well, Women have to realise that if you don't have the genetic makeup um, a guy does, i.e. the same amount of testosterone, you're not going to get big. You can get really strong and look very lean and toned, very athletic. Because at the end of the day, you've, if you think about it, you've really got two choices, body fat or muscle. You're not going for body fat, so your best bet is to go for muscle. So the way we do that is to add in some form of progressive overload in your training. And I think it's just a matter of understanding that you won't get bulky. I think the problem comes when you're lifting heavy weights, you're getting stronger, 
yes, you're doing progressive overload, but then you're also in a calorie surplus, so you're putting a muscle, but you're also layering that with body fat. Okay, then you might actually start putting on some size, but if the aim is just to put on muscle, then definitely, if you're looking to tone up, that should be one of your main aims in your training program. And I, I agree. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, aspirational uh, women's physiques that, mm-hmm. you know, both, you know, men lure over and women, you know, aspire to, you know, these women hit the gym and hit them regularly. They're not yep. just doing cardio. They're, they're doing weights. They're doing compound lifting and they are making progress in the gym typically. Now, yep. the progress isn't as aggressive or um, uh, masculine and kind of, um, target and ambition fueled as some guys would be, but they are making progress, and that yeah. progress is resulting in their physique changing. Definitely, as you say, it takes a lot. It takes an incredible amount, and usually anabolics as well, to get a woman to start looking masculine in her physique by just hitting the gym. I think as well, I I, I, I get people that have seen uh, videos like CrossFit, the women in CrossFit, they are <laughs> they're pretty pretty big um, in terms of of muscular development and some people like that some people don't you know mm-hmm. that's obviously their own opinion but then you got to remember is that these um people are athletes and they're training you know all day every day hours and hours a day hours yeah dedicating yes. their nutrition and lifestyle and um they're, they're absolutely pounding the gym and and an hour, an hour a day for five days a week of a little bit of programming that focuses on exactly. a little bit of progressive overload yeah. isn't going to achieve that result. And obviously you know how hard it is to, to get a guy, shape. right? Yeah, With yeah. more testosterone and, yeah. and, and a stronger commitment to muscle development. Totally. And yeah. it's still fucking hard. Yeah. So yeah, don't, don't worry ladies. If, if you <laughs> want to get yourself in shape, the concept of good strong programming and making progress through time in your lifts is something you should aim mm-hmm. for and uh, don't think it's going to change your body negatively. It's only good for fitness. So that, we, that, yeah, well, sorry, that kind of leads on to another thing that I wanted to talk about was um, lifting heavy. Um, okay. Sorry, not lifting heavy as such, but using big lifts. And I'm talking about the squat, the overhead press, the bent over row, the deadlift, and the bench press. I think these five exercises are your staple exercises and adding progressive overload to that will really give you good sort of development and then obviously you've got all the accessory lifts around that like your bicep curls and okay um, that's a good point so you're saying with the big lifts where you're recruiting the most amount of muscle in a full body yeah typically it's full body yeah then you're more likely to be able to make progress and have measurable progress but when you're doing isolation accessory work where you're just focused on one muscle group, or if it's a bicep curl, curl or it's, um, I don't know, um, you know, delts, working your delts, mm-hmm. the weight isn't going to change that much because we're now talking yeah. fractional yeah. development because those muscles are smaller and they're working by themselves. Is that yeah. fair? Definitely. Because I, I, I personally don't um, look at the progressive overload you know, as in much detail with the smaller accessory lifts like bicep curls, tricep pull downs, but I do with the big staple lifts because I think they're the ones that give you the most bang for your buck. And that is another mistake that I've made in the past is not using these big lifts. And, and why, when, why do you think you weren't? I don't know, because I think, you, 
I think you copy what you see in the magazines. You know, you see these guys with big arms and, and whatnot doing bicep curls. Yes, that's needed. And, and, you know, I might, me and you at the moment are doing an arm day specifically towards arms. But the the development will come from heavy, deadlift, heavy deadlifting, bench pressing, overhead pressing, bent over rows. That's where your real... Um, the real results will come from. And I think it's so important to make sure that these lifts are in your program. Obviously, it's not for everyone. You won't program it for certain people with certain needs and, and ailments and whatnot. But for the general population that are trying to get fit, get in shape and lose weight, definitely important. Because if you think about it as well, if you're doing a deadlift, you're using every single muscle in the body. You're demanding so much of your body through one lift. And that's where you kind of get that bang for your buck. But also you, you help to um, improve posture and, and work your whole sort of posterior chain. So you work your hamstrings and your glutes and your upper back and your arms. There's just so much going on there in one lift that well, it makes I, sense. I can absolutely attest to that. Um, I don't think I was doing deadlifts before you and I met. I might, I might have done them because they might have been in my programme. but. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't respect them. They were just. It was just a weight on the floor. Yeah. That I had to do eight reps of, and I just put a mediocre, mediocre weight on. I was just thinking about basically doing bent over rows. I was thinking it's the same thing. I've just got to like mm. stand up instead of lift it to my chest. Um, so I didn't respect it. Definitely didn't think about progressively overloading those. Um, mm. And it wasn't until you and I kind of, kind of got 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 together and built on my program. Where I've now appreciated a deadlift. I think people regarded the deadlift as probably, if you had to choose just one exercise that yeah. you could do. Now, this is ridiculous. We want you to do more. But if you could only choose one exercise to do, it'd be the deadlift. Because oh, if you think yeah. about it, especially when there's weight on a bar that's challenging you, there's the bracing of the core in that yeah. initi- in initial, you know, ready to kind of rip the floor, the, the, the bar off the floor. And that's contracting all your core yeah. and all the connected yeah. muscles. You're gripping the bar to death, which is, means that your your grip strength, your forearms, your biceps are tight. Um, you're tightening your back in preparation for lifting it. All your all your rhomboids and your trapezius and your lats are engaged. Yeah. Then you your your chest seems to it doesn't have as much. Um, demand, but it's still a little bit of tightness yeah. in your chest. And then you think about the lower part of your body, you know, your glutes, right, no, your hamstrings, nice. your calves, mm-hmm. your quads, mm-hmm. pretty much everything when you're lifting heavy on a deadlift is having to engage because it's life or death. Your body's like, okay, I, I want to do this and I want to do it safely. Yeah. How can we all work together to get this shitload of weight off the floor? And it's it's great. And, and for a guy, I, I I think I think my wife enjoys them too, but for guys, there's there's something animalistic. Yes. Of that kind of brute strength of just approaching that bar, okay. getting yourself in the zone, taking a deep breath, yeah. bracing like hell, <laughs> you know, just almost you know wanting to crush that bar and just going for your life to lift it up, and that level of commitment from your CNS, your central nervous system, and all your muscle fibers and all the recruitment that needs to happen. It just has a, it both has a profound difference in how you feel about working out, but it has a pr- profound difference in the muscle development that comes thereafter. 
So obviously you're saying how important that lift is. Would you also say that it's your favourite lift? Or what what's your favourite lift out of all the, the big lifts? Would you say it is a deadlift? Do you know what? And this this isn't going to be a surprise. I would say my favourite lift is probably the squat now. Okay. And, and I'll tell you why. The squat... Actually, before I tell you why, well, well, I just fess up to saying, you know, prior, prior to having you know my own facility mm. uh, a couple of years ago, I, I would never never squat. Maybe okay. a couple of times Skip in my in life. Skipping a day or was it? No, it's, not... it, it wasn't the done thing, right? If you think yeah. about gyms, you know, three, four, five years back and then beyond, they, they, you know, these commercial gyms didn't have uh, the facilities really to do squat. Or if there, if there was, there was one notional squat rack. It was most probably a Smith machine. Yeah. And... No one would, would do squats. It's, got, it's almost fashionable They would do bench. Uh, you know, use the bar to do bench. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. But you see people now, like, doing Olympic lifts, and it's, it's almost it's great. fashionable to great use movement, a squat rack and, and a barbell, which is great. It's obviously got a lot of people into so it. I definitely didn't do any of these big lifts. I didn't do any of them. I remember going into com- commercial gyms, and I was just on the machines the whole time, peck deck. You know, um, bent, uh, what was the the chest press? Yeah. Um, you know the, the assisted pull press. up thing, yeah. the overhead press, the lat pull down. I would just use machines the whole time with perhaps some dumbbells to do some arms, and that was it. So obviously now you're in pretty good shape. I saw your blog um, with your body goals, and you had obviously your pictures from before and after. It's a bit of a change, huh? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> quite impressed actually. So obviously you you're quite. Uh, muscular and lean now so would you put that down to um doing these big lifts would you would you say this was a bit of a game changer for you absolutely 100 percent. and the reason the reason being i think it goes back to the first point which is Mm. progressive overload i now have an appreciation when i get into that gym that there is an intent to do better than before and i have the means to do it because i'm recruiting my whole body to go add another pound or another couple of pounds on that bar. There's 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 more to give. There's more more to pull from in trying yeah. to do a lift. Whereas like when you do, as you said, like when you're doing a bicep curl, your limit's your limit. Yeah. You know, you, in time you, you will increase that, but it's so fractional. It's, it's Whereas a limit, I, yeah. I can go in the gym and if, if I'm on point mentally and I've had good rest and I'm ready to go, I could stick another, you know, five, ten, ten pounds on the bar, mm. just by getting all in, and I know I've got it within me. So every every time I'm in the gym, I want to reach further, but I won't overreach. I, I do it every once in a while, and sometimes I feel feel the consequence of that, my injuries and so forth. Yeah. But I want to do better, mm. and I know I can because these big lifts have got enough mileage in them. Because mm. I know I know what other people can lift, and hey, you know, people can squat nine hundred nine hundred. Pounds. I mean, I squat two hundred and eighty pounds thereabouts. Mm-hmm. I know I could do a lot, a lot better. And getting back to why squats are enjoyable for me is they are so friggin' technical. Mm. And I think it just cool. It pulls at my kind of technical yeah, heartstrings, yeah. right? Yeah. I look at it and I go, I know there's people that you know been squatting their whole lives and they're still trying to work it out. They're still trying to perfect that movement so it feels fluid every time it takes years that they've got the right momentum yeah. into the lift that they don't grind it out but they've got the kind of uh, the acceleration out of the hole yeah 
and that they're keeping the upper body top uh, upright. They don't want a good morning and kind of lean forward. Yeah. There's so many little elements that you fix one thing and you take footage of yourself and realise something else has gone kaput. Yeah. Or your knees hurt because you're getting, you know, your knees are pulling in have a valgus knee. There's so many things, so many troubles I've had with the squat um, that I'm trying to iron the kinks out. Like I, I enjoy when I make a bit of a game-changing shift in how I squat. Yeah. That it reflects itself in how strong I feel when I'm under the bar. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that kind of growth of just developing my skill. Well, you know you've got years and years of, of growth to come, which is fun. Because if, if you got so good at it and you, 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 know, you hit the top of your game, then... You know, it's boring, isn't it? You know, you have to move on to another exercise or do something else. But it's not that simple, is it, with a squat? You, you you can spend ten years trying to perfect the squat, and I know that sounds silly, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, um, and yeah, it, it, I think, it just makes it more. It just makes going to the gym more interesting mm. when you know you're not the finished article, and you know you're not rinsing, repeating, week in, week out. The big lifts are going to feature almost all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't say cycle them in and out. You may do variations of the, yeah. of the you know, you may do high bar squat, low bar squat, you may do front pause, pause squats and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So many different ways to yeah. change the fundamental movement, but the, the principles are the same. You've got a bar exactly. up, you know, you're standing upright and you're, you're dropping down and standing back up again. And that, that for me, the, the level of variation, the level of technical ability means that every week... I can make some progress mm. some way. Yeah. And that makes me want to go in the gym next week and try and improve upon technique or reps or volume or weight or general form. And, and I often take video of me just, you know, do I look as good as I think I look? And answer is always no. Especially with a squat. Yeah, it will never be yes. I think, um, who was it? I think it was Andy McKenzie that, that said, um, he's a coach in the UK, that he said... Training is like a magnifying glass. So I think what he means by that is, let's say you're doing a squat, you can see where things are breaking down. You can see where certain areas are tight and need working on. And that will also lead into other things. And that, that obviously ends up being a whole, you know, opening a can of worms because you sort of, you, you see one technical breakdown and you go, okay, well, that's probably why you're doing that in the deadlift. And then you sort of, you you know, you kind of link it all through, but you're, you're putting a magnifying uh, glass on yourself and you're really looking at what's breaking down, what's not. And it's, it's, I don't know. I know for a lot of people, this may sound, oh, I just want to go to the gym and I want my body to look better. Mm. I, I don't give a shit about being the world's best squatter. And I get that. I'm, yeah. I, I may be coming across slightly overzealous on the technical kind of... Yeah. Pursuit. We do like and it, and it, and it, it. Do, and it doesn't need to be that. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to say that um, these movement movements are actually a lot more difficult than they they look. Not so much because of the weight, but just because of the form you need to mm. adhere to. So it's injury free, and you really get ma- maximum bang for your buck when you do the movement. If you do the movement poorly, you won't get as much muscle recruitment, or the wrong muscles are recruited. Yeah. You, you'll see the difference. Yeah. And, so, um, and and that's that's you don't need to you don't need to be as obsessive as I am on on the squat, but I think you you will become to enjoy the 
the, the, the journey. Know, the journey, yeah. yeah. I, I think about my wife, you know, she the first time she squatted was when you built that into her programme mm. and she'd never touched a bar in her life. Yeah. And um, I think it's quite um, overwhelming. Definitely. Uh, and something that most, or a lot, a lot of women haven't had yet the courage to go into a public gym and start lifting, mm. you know, quite and quite like a guy with the bar. Yeah. Um, but she started doing that in the comfort of a of a private gym, and she's noticed she just she just feels stronger, her body moves better. She's enjoying the same journey I'm on. And now it's not with the same weight, and <laughs> it's not with the same level of intensity. And it's not with the same goals, mm. but she goes in there and she realizes that she's got a lot of work to do to make her squat the way she wants it to be. And she's comfortable that she's got a lot of work to do and, and mm. each week it gets slightly better. I think that it's, it's quite, in some respects, it's, it's keeps you motivated, keeps you stick to your, you know, keeps you going to the gym because you're like, I want to be better. Every time you want to do better, because it kind of ties into progressive overload. But like now you're talking about the journey of working on your technique, and that I find is just very motivating because you're focusing your attention on performance as opposed to the outcome. So rather than thinking, I want to tone up and I'm going to lose weight, you're now thinking, how am I going to squat better? How am I going to deadlift better? How am I going to get this weight off the ground and and not injure myself and 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 look good whilst I'm doing it and for it to feel good. When you focus your attention on the performance, your the, the goal the, the goals come. Yeah, the goals will come, they'll yes, follow. Good uh, whether that's an aesthetic goal or performance goal, but the goals will come, they will follow. If you're someone that you know is strong in your deadlift, strong in your squat, um, strong in all your big lifts, you'll probably have a body that looks like you're strong in all the staple lifts. That's and that point. and that's not looking like a meathead. That is looking like someone that's muscular, lean and Probably pretty athletic. But just keying off that for a second, if you think about it, mo- most guys um, would have a couple of muscle groups that they want to develop mm-hmm. because they're the show show off muscles. Or bigger arms, I want a bigger chest. Yeah. Maybe they they may be more specific. The mirror say, muscles. Shoulders. Yeah. Right. But the reality is, and I've been there too. I've been thinking, yeah, I just need these these muscles to look good when I'm in a t-shirt and I'm, I'm, I'm set but when you see this you may look at a guy who looks in shape and say oh he's got arms up you know I'd die for mm. but the reality is he has everything else if he had just arms you'd die for and everything else was scrawny fuck me you'd notice that yeah. and it would look so out of proportion and um, the best uh, arguably the best bodies in the world that uh, most people say, you know, I wouldn't mind looking a bit like that. Mm. These guys have symmetry and proportion, and the arms aren't um, significantly bigger than the shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has a proportion to it. Now yeah. you can get some of these, these kind of uh, these freaks, these um, steroid freaks. That that's when proportions go out of whack. But in terms of natural muscular physique, it's all body, and you can only get all body. If you're doing these compound lifts, definitely you you have to put your body through it <laughs> in order for it to adapt. So, so 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 we're talking we're talking about compound lifting. And, yeah, um, and we're talking about you know that progressive overload piece. It's a fine line between you know continuing to drive progress mm-hmm. and perhaps the pursuit of PRs and how that can 
become training to failure too often. Yeah. Would you say that for you was a something else that matters? Because that, that has been a big one for me is not expecting to kill myself every set across every exercise every time I get in the gym. Yeah. Like if I'm not, if I'm not, you know, was it no pain, no gain? Yeah. If I'm not feeling like as if I'm going to die, it wasn't worth it. Is that really the right mentality or is it a smart way to work out? Um, yeah, you, you definitely don't want to kill yourself every time you go to the gym. So going in with that mindset, you, you need to change that because if you go into the gym and you train hard every single time and you're, you're just trying to drill yourself into the ground, at the end of the day, there's only so long that you're going to be able to stay, sustain that for until you either get injured, unmotivated. It, I think you could probably relate to this. It's quite unmotivating, isn't it? When you go, oh God, I've got to get up in the morning and I've got to lift that weight. And if it's maximal weight on the bar... You can start getting quite nervous. Nervous, it consumes yeah, your, yeah. your thoughts and your... And I know it sounds silly, but it really does. When you're, you're pushing your body to the boundary, if you're doing that every week or even every session, that's just super unmotivating. Um, but there's also, right, so that's, that's the kind of um, mental factor. Yeah. And people might think, okay, on top of that, you've got the, the kind of muscle fatigue, which is true, right? Yeah. Your muscle breaks down, needs time to recover. Exactly. But I think there's, there's, there's a, a third hidden but significant other area of recovery, mm-hmm. which is your CNS, your central yeah. nervous system. Your central nervous system can conceptually be fatigued. Well, not conceptually, can be fatigued. Definitely. If you put it through too much stimulus and create too much stressful demand on your central nervous system to demand and recruit lots of hard work, at some point you need to have that chill as well. Mm. And you need to recover parasympathetically through yeah. meditation and sleep and active recovery. And if you're going hard every day and you're in the gym and you are max lifting, you know, PRs, I don't know, God forbid you're trying to do one rep maxes mm. and you're doing it every single day. I mean, that's a surefire way to not just probably injury and sub-maximal yeah. gains, but you're probably going to cause yourself some emotional distress. Yeah. Right? Because your body's you're screaming at you to stop, to yeah. fucking stop. Yeah. Right? You're killing me. You're pounding me to the ground. Right? And that's where you've got to get really in tune with what your body's telling you. you is Are there niggles? Am I tired all the time? Am I losing my focus and concentration? You've got to really tune into these sort of signals that your body is sending you and go, okay, do I need time out? Do I need to just step it back a little bit in the gym? Because if you're going all out, like you're saying, it's it, there's a stimulation overload. And we're constantly mm. getting a sensory overload from screens and then we've got the stresses of life and then we're obviously in the gym PRing. Let's say athletes, for instance. So they can they can go hard, athletes. You know, they can train for hours and hours and they can train, you know, at optimal level for, for a long period of time. But don't forget, they've got a whole team managing them, you know, programming, nutrition, sleep. And they're down, they're down tools as well. Yeah. And that's an important part of their programming, right? Exactly. So, and we're not athletes in that respect. Mm. So if we're going in the gym and we're, we're trying to pound our bodies constantly, yet we're not focusing on recovery... And we're going to failure too often. It's just going to tax your nervous system. So you've got, you've got to know your limits. You've got to find your limits and, and, and figure out, you know, where your comfort zone is. Once you know where your comfort zone is, then you can in- incrementally move out of that comfort zone with good form and know that you're, you're pushing yourselves 
working hard but not going to failure because that is not a good idea. So, so you, it may sound like you and I are being contradictory to our first point of progressive mm-hmm. overload, which is aspiring to perform better than the last time you were in the gym. Mm-hmm. At what point does progressive overload become failure? How do you spot that? And how, how yeah, how do you manage against these two pieces of good advice? Because they, they sound almost contradictory mm-hmm. and there's a bit of dichotomy between the two. So I, you obviously, the, the, one of the main factors um, that you want to watch out for uh, is technique. As soon as your form's going, you obviously know you're lifting too heavy because you can't sustain okay. your technique and form with that weight. But then there's obviously you day to day we undulate. Well, some some days we're super stressed and we're busy at work, and some days we you know some weeks we might have had a week off from work, so we're feeling super good and relaxed. And those are the days you can go harder. So not every session will be the same. So if you squat three sets of ten. Um, with 80 kilograms, let's say, next week, if you're going, right, I'm going to progressively progressive overload now, so I'm going to look how I can increase that, don't forget that you might come in and had a really stressful day at work, not eating properly and not slept properly. Maybe that's a time when you don't go for progressive overload, and that's when you maybe say, okay, I'm going to do the same, or I'm going to step it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an important point. You, yeah, you need so, to listen to the cues that maybe your body's not... Exactly. Not ready to be stressed yeah. in that one session. But if that's perpetual, if that's chronic, mm-hmm. then it's a problem. There's yeah. something wrong with your programming or your lifestyle. Definitely. For you to get in every day and every week and feel like you, you're not ready to make progress. Yeah, exactly. But odd day here on there, you should beat yourself up about that. No. And then, and then obviously when you're feeling good, you can go for that extra rep or putting some fractional plates on, whether that's 1.25 kilograms each side, it, you know, can be as little as that, but it's still progressive overload. But only do that when you're, when it feels right and it feels good and there's not that overload of stress. From I, I think that's a really valid point. And maybe <clears throat> another uh, distinction here between the two is when we say training to failure, which what we're effectively saying is you can't do another rep. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, let's just take bicep curls as an example. That, eighth rep or tenth rep is an absolute slog Mm -hmm. and you're just about squeezing it up maybe you have someone assisting you to get that weight up and they might just be sticking two fingers underneath the bar but they get the 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 weight the weight but it's just enough for you to lift it up that is training to failure yeah that's when you can't physically do anymore but somehow you find the courage and something within you to do another rep now that looks masculine that looks like uh it's going to give you maximum gains just because you're going to put yourself through that much damage and that yeah. much stress. But I think you, you can train like that, but you probably mm. want to just pepper that in. Every yeah. once in a while, stress your body in that way. But generally speaking, you should probably be able to have one or maybe two reps left in the tank yeah. on any given rep range for the weight you're using. Some and if you know you've got another rep with good form left mm. and you stop before that, I think that's probably what we're trying to say. Progress within that limit. Definitely. Don't progress. Don't feel progression is only with failure. Yeah. They can be. The, they can be separated. It is a bit of a yeah. It's a fine line. But another thing to think about as well, mate, is if you think about the exercise itself. If you're going to failure on it, I will. I never go to failure on a deadlift or a squat. Um, we've all done it, you know, when we've mates and we we'll go to failure and stuff, but. 
really we shouldn't really go to failure on the big technical lifts. That's a good point. But with bicep curls, you don't like you say you don't always want to go to failure on the bicep curls because that's just gonna, there's there's less consequence if you. But do. there's less consequence. Yeah, and, okay, and you good can point. because good point. you want to get that that stimulus. You want to get that you know you want your body to adapt. So. Mm. Bicep curls are less um, taxing on the nervous system. So therefore, if you went to failure on that every session, the consequences aren't quite the same as if you went to failure on the squat every session or deadlift. So there are certain lifts. It's the bigger lifts that you've got to obviously really tune into and not go to failure. The other accessory lifts, the smaller um, exercises, aren't quite so important or you don't have to tune in as much. So there's definitely some, the the red ones, the the red exercises that you shouldn't really go to failure on. I think that is a great point, Bryn. Um, I've got one one more. Yeah. And then we should probably start closing this down. We could talk Only all because night. we could talk all night. <laughs> the one that, it would be remiss of me to not discuss this, mm-hmm. is diet. Yes. Right, so... I didn't piece it together up until... Look, my, my body's been adapting through time and you can make gains whilst having shitty programming. You can make gains whilst not eating the right food. You can change your body uh, whilst not having a perfect approach. Yeah. But then it comes a point where those newbie gains are done. The honeymoon period is over. Unfortunately. Right? And now you're left with, okay, if I want to continue to make progress... I'm going to need to start dialing things in. Why is the honeymoon period always need to end? Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is a shame, right? Because those, those that first six months of, of, of doing the gym proper. Yeah. And it's just getting so much response from yeah. everything you're doing. And you think, right, this is it. It's game changer. I've worked it all out. Yeah. You know, here on out, I'm going to be this mass, muscle-bound physique <laughs> that I know I can be. Yeah. And then those things start to peter oh, that's when I got my, my that's when I got most of my compliments when I first started training everyone was like wow you, you know you're looking good and you know you're putting on a bit of size and never had that since because it's so incremental and slow but at the newbie gains but then know. once once that's over you know you don't want it to be over no so how do I continue to make progress and look you and I are both speaking from experience of trying to drive towards <coughs> a body composition that yeah. we're going to feel most happy with and I know I've got more to go, a, a journey I want to go take, so do you. Yeah. And I know I can get there because my aspirations aren't completely out of the realm of possibility. They can be done naturally. Uh, they can be done without superhuman genetics. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a long game. Mm-hmm. It's a long game where patience is required. Definitely. And, I, and I have to respect the process. And I need to dial in all the elements of my regime mm. and I can be as effective as, as humanly possible in the gym if I'm not getting into the kitchen and I'm one not eating enough calories and two getting the right macro kind of proportions mm-hmm. between protein carbs and fat if I don't if, if I'm in a, if I'm in a deficit not eating enough calories for my body maintenance given the workout I'm doing my body has no choice but to go catabolic. Catabolic means muscle breakdown. Mm. Anabolic means synthesizing and growing. Covering growth. Right? Yeah. So if you're in a if you're in a deficit, you're you, the, the the only thing your body can do is to start breaking down energy stores where elsewhere within the body, and it will end up breaking energy stores from your muscle. Yeah. The odd day 
isn't going to make a difference. But a, a constant under-eating mm. whilst working out hard in the gym is a surefire way of getting demotivated, pissed off, um, and being, being having less energy to actually make progress because you need extra calories to go push heavier, to get progressive overloads, yeah. to get stronger, to get bigger. Yeah. So and what, what, the sorry, food you... for me was massive. It was a massive thing. And once I, once I realised it was time to pay attention to my diet, mm. I've now noticed a big change. The other thing as well is if you're, like going back to what you're saying, if you're in a calorie deficit for too long, what, what's your body going to do? It's going to meet that demand, isn't it? So therefore, you're only going to slow everything down within your body because you're you're not eating enough. So therefore it's gonna be harder to actually put on muscle and lose body fat. So sometimes you actually need to eat more to obviously improve your performance, but also increase muscle and drop body fat. So when you started toning in, um, tuning in, sorry, into your um, diet and your calories, did you notice that you're, actually as you increased incrementally, you increased your uh, calories, did your body fat drop and muscle mass increase as well as your performance? Um, probably not, if I'm honest. Um, no, so I mean, the e- eating enough calories, I think with the impacts I, I felt when I when I had going from guesswork, so to, to, mm. let's think about the, 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 the journey. The journey was eat what I like mm-hmm. through to, oh, I'm working out, I should eat healthier, which means maybe not eat as much crap. Yeah but still eat when I'm hungry um, and eat until I'm full. I'm like, I'm definitely eating too many calories if I'm eating until I'm full. Mm. Maybe it was right, maybe it was wrong, I don't know. But then I start layering on heavier and heavier workouts, maybe with cardio as well, and I'm burning without realising between that and all the movement during the day, I'm likely still burning more than I'm eating because I haven't really measured anything. So the first part of the journey after just respecting not eating junk was actually now maybe I'm going to need to measure what I'm eating mm. as a minimum to understand how many calories I'm consuming and you know we'll get into in, in other sessions perhaps like you know what yeah. um, your daily um, expenditure is of she calories how to work that out so yeah. therefore how to set your calorie budget but that took me a while to work that out and mm. the nuances of metabolism means that any formula is just guesswork. Yeah. But once I got that about right, where I was in a mild bulk, I didn't want to be too, I didn't want to be too doing dirty bulks, yeah. eating everything I, I, I see, because I didn't want to get fat. And I think most people that want to work out don't want to get fat. No. So they're, 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 they're pushing against this brick wall of like, I want to get bigger, but not in the, not with getting fat. Mm. And I had to get, break through that and accept that with, with muscles going to come a bit of fat. Yeah. But if I train hard and I train right and I'm in a mild surplus, I can minimise how much fat I store and then I undulate some deficit, uh, some calorie deficit work every once in a while to cut off yeah. that little bit of extra fat I've built on. Yeah. But it's, it's a very fine balance for me. But I found eating enough calories m- meant I would sleep better. And it sounds bizarre, but... You've got, yeah. You almost got more energy to sleep. Definitely. Because you need energy to recover, right? I've got more, uh, more calories to fuel my workout. So it means I can push harder and and just a bit more mentally engaged. Mm-hmm. I was emotionally happier because I wasn't starving myself. I actually, my body wanted food and I was giving it 
with sufficient volume, so it's happier. Stable blood sugar levels. Yeah, less hunger and hang, hangriness. Yeah. And I think generally, it's a good thing. And then I think the last thing to talk about this is when you, when you increase your calories to support the goal of building some muscle, and then you go on a, a, a cut, uh, which is really just dropping your calories below your maintenance, and then mm-hmm. you start uh, taking reserves of fat with a little bit of muscle, but hopefully mostly fat yeah. for training hard. You can do something called reverse dieting, which means that when you then re-enter a bulk phase, and we'll talk about this some other time, you can re-enter at, a, at more calories than you were eating before. So you can get to yeah. the point where you might be consuming 4,000 calories a day and not putting any weight on. Yeah. Now, that might scare people who only eat 1,500 thinking, how am I going to eat three times as yeah, much? Yeah. But when you build the size, you build the appetite. And to know you can eat well and not have this constant battle with fat, which I haven't had because I've now just been able to dial in, measure things right, get enough protein, get the calories. You know right. your threshold It's just is. made a massive, massive difference. And without this, let's just be clear, without this one thing, forget everything else. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's probably the most important. If you're not eating in a prescriptive enough way, if your goals are specific, if your food intake is not specific and is not measured and is not purposeful, you're wasting your time. You're not supporting what you're doing in the gym. It's just as important as the training, isn't it? It's so important. And um, like you say, your quality of life day to day, your your mood's better, your energy's better, you're sleeping better. If you're sleeping better, then you're going to probably work better and you're, that might lead to um, going up the ladder in your career or, or it might be better being a better mum or a better dad, you know, because you've got more energy and you've slept. You know, who wouldn't want that? So I think toning in on, uh, tuning in on, on that is really important. Another thing that would be interesting, probably for another um, podcast, but you have had to change, because we've not really spoken about your nutrition. It was more training, wasn't it? We worked together. So I, I'm, I'm interested as well, because you've gone from uh, higher body fat to obviously losing that and putting on muscle and now getting um, to a point where you're quite lean. I've done the opposite. I've, I'm a hot, you know, I, what you call a hard gainer. So I've never been fat. I've never been overweight. I've... I've um, always struggle to put on size so I'm obviously having to eat enough and I'm always struggling to obviously get my calories in and how and what do I eat and all this so it's not it's interesting it, it, it to really see. isn't easy right I mean it sounds easy enough right eat enough food it may, may sound like if we're giving everyone a free pass a whole pass mm. eat what you want food is good eat is yeah and in some respects I am I am saying food is good especially nutritious food mm. you know especially if you're having you know resistant starch and fibrous foods. I mean, you don't even eat that food. You get full up, but it's got hardly any calories. So, yeah, pack your your diet out with veg, but you need to have a lot of protein. And you've got to build up the appreciation for not food just as a, a, a fuel source, but a nutrient source. Yeah. Your food is so critically important to, you know, who you are as a being. That ves- The vessel that we are in, which is our body, is, is really able to generate and regenerate and perpetuate through giving it a good quality source of fuel. Yeah. And that fuel isn't just calories. I mean, that is at the most basic level. You need enough calories. Yeah. Without it, you start breaking down and using your body reserves, which means muscular, sorry, skeletal muscle and potentially even organ um, issues. But 
it's the nutrients that I think we could spend a whole other podcast talking about some of the nu- common nutrient deficiencies and where we encourage people to go focus in on because some of the nutrients, if you if you take things like magnesium and zinc and some others, mm. can also have a positive impact on both recovery and mu- muscle adaptation. But let's not go there now. No. But I think we should talk about that maybe next time. That'd be an interesting podcast. I think we'll hit on that. Cool. Listen, man, I think we are done. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, to close on this then, good, good chat. Uh, I think we, we covered off the, the basic, the basis, sorry, the basics. There's probably a few other bits and pieces, but we can cover those off on another session in terms of some do's and don'ts and things we've learned the hard way. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's episode four or five. But for now, I would uh, encourage everyone to take a look at our blog on adaptnation.io. Uh, we've been busy putting together a whole heap of stuff from some of our own body goals and challenges mm-hmm. through to uh, a, a plethora of different food options, healthy, nutritious food options that you can go take a look at um, through to tips of the day and all sorts of other stuff that started to pop up there over the last couple of weeks. So do take a look at adaptnation.io and go through to our micro blog section. Um, also, we get an active now on uh, the social platforms, so that's Instagram primarily and Facebook. Uh, you search for Adaptation on either of those, you'll find us. So take a look, subscribe, follow, engage. We'd love to un- understand if you have any questions or comments. And until next time, have a great week and we will speak to you next week. Take care. Bye.